0: Learn all about investing in real estate in Huntsville, Alabama, with a combination of real estate financial planning and modeling with numbers specific to Huntsville, plus syndicated, more generalized recordings of live and pre-recorded real estate investing classes, not all of them specific to Huntsville. Be sure to stay tuned after the podcast for a message from our sponsors. Well, good morning and welcome, everyone. I am your host, James Orr, and this is a very special brand new class that I've never taught before because it's based on a brand new spreadsheet that I created that uh, you can go download and use to do your own version of what I'm going to show you. This is the what I'm calling the Seasons of My Life Budget Spreadsheet. The the idea is this kind of came up for me in a couple different ways, actually. It came up for me um, probably about six months ago. When I was considering my budget um, in quasi retirement, retirement, um, I am trying to figure out, hey, what if I live at whatever it is, you know, one hundred and fifty thousand dollars a year expenses, or what if I live at one hundred forty thousand dollars a year expenses, or what if I live at one hundred thirty thousand, or one hundred twenty, or a ninety, or sixty, or whatever it is, and so I could go look at what I wanted to go look at was I wanted to go be able to say okay if i'm living at this 150 a year budget what expenses are there in the 150k per year lifestyle budget and what expenses would there be if i was on the 100k a year budget or what expenses would there be on the 60k and and this is like the the version for when you're trying to plan what you are going to spend when you are financially independent you're living off of your investments and you have some flexibility in how much you Take out from your investments. So if you have you know a million dollars or five billion dollars invested in stocks, and you have you know your four percent state withdrawal rate says you could take out at most you know two hundred thousand dollars a year, but let's say you want to live on you know one eighty thousand a year, so that you're a little bit more conservative in that, or maybe you know that. You've got a couple of rental properties in your portfolio as well, and that those are going to be paid off in a year or two or three or five or 10 down the road. And you you think that you can safely, in your mind, live beyond a 4% safe withdrawal rate and take out a little bit more than you think you should because you know that eventually the rental properties are going to be paid off and they're going to more than make up for any deficit you have at some point in the future. So, this is one way of budgeting for various different spending budgets for different phases in your life when you're financially dependent. Or another version of this, this kind of came up in another way, and that is we have certain expenses that we know are going away at some point in the future. For example, I have a 15-year-old dog who is not going to live forever, despite our desire that he does live forever. Um, And so we know that a certain percentage of our personal budget is going to change at some point probably in the next year or two. You know, we all know exactly when it's going to happen, but he's definitely getting a little bit gimpy, a little bit senile and showing signs that he's definitely slowing down. And so at some point, a year, two, three, maybe five in the future, who knows if he lives to be 20 years old, which is very unlikely. um, The budget we have set aside for our particular pet is going to change. So we have a budget now where we are living and we have this you know, old dog and and a certain amount of expenses associated with the old dog. But at some point, not that far down the road, we're going to have a budget where we are not going to have a dog. Another example of this, I have a budget right now where I am paying on a car payment. You know, we could have paid cash for the car, but I decided I didn't want to turn down 0.9% financing on a car. And so there's a, whatever it is, $600 car payment that is going to go away in 14 months. And so now we've got to look at our budget and say, okay, in 14 months from now, what does our budget look like? And how does that change things? And how does that affect my safe withdrawal rate, how much money I need to have, and and how will the rentals look at that point in time? Another example would this be I'm paying off my personal residence, my owner-occupant property, and I'm no longer going to have a mortgage payment You know, three years from now or five years from now. Or I've got a rental property. The first rental property pays off in 26 months. And so now I'll have extra cash flow at that point. And then on my second rental property that I own is going to be paying off in 37 months. And the next one's going to be paying off in 61 months from now. And so you can look at having like these various budgets. So what this spreadsheet does, it allows you to have budgets kind of set up side by side by side so that you can look at and say, okay, here's my budget, my current situation. Here's the one when the dog passes. Here's the one when my car payment goes away. Here's the one when my owner-occupant property gets paid off, here's the one where my next rental property gets paid off, here's the one where my next rental property gets paid off, here's the one where all my rental properties are paid off. And so you can have all of these various budgets looking side by side, and it can show you exactly how much money you need to have invested with whatever safe withdrawal rate, safe withdrawal rate you tell it you are using, and it will actually do the calculations for you and show you, okay, in order to support that budget, you would need to have $800,000 set aside, um, invested in stocks or bonds or whatever else you have there, Including whatever rentals you have and pensions and annuities and stuff like that. So this allows you to do that modeling. So what I'd like to do is you can go download a copy of this spreadsheet. If you go to refp.info forward slash S O M L and that S O M L stands for seasons of my life. And that's the Seasons of My Life budget spreadsheet that you can go download. And then you could do this for yourself. And I'm just going to walk you through some of the features and some of what it's used for. That way you could decide to use this yourself to do budgeting. And it's not explicitly specific to those with real estate, although it works great with people who have rental properties um but it doesn't have to be a rental property sort of thing this could be someone you give to your son or daughter or a friend who wants to go do a budget and they're like hey i'm considering buying a house or i'm getting a divorce or i'm considering getting a divorce or i'm considering getting married or um you know my my child support's going to go away how do i do budgets for different seasons of my life, different changes that are going on. And that is the idea behind this is instead of having just one budget spreadsheet, this one shows you up to six all at the same time that you can easily compare and see how that's going to impact things over time. So some of my examples that you might want to use this for, you know, when you're saving for your first down payment as a renter or when you're buying your next owner-occupant property, or when you're buying your rental properties, you're saving for those. When you're paying off mortgages, either your owner-occupant property or on rentals, if you're still paying off student loans, and then once you're done paying off student loans, and then you can kind of model those different budgets. If you're single and you're getting married, or if you're married and you're getting divorced, or if you're divorced and you're getting remarried, these are all different budgets that you can kind of plan out and see side by side as to how things will change if you get married or if you get divorced or if you get remarried. If you've got alimony or palimony and those go away after a while, or if you've got child support and that ends after a while, or if you've got your children that you're supporting now and eventually your children grow up and you no longer have, at least in theory, financial responsibilities for your grown children, then you've got to be able to budget for those. Um, you know, if you've got car payments that you've got now and that those are going to go away or you're going to have a car payment, because you know, you're going to replace a car in a couple of years um, or various standard of livings. Like once you become financially dependent, if you want to live on, you know, one hundred thousand dollars a year or five hundred thousand dollars a year, a million dollars a year or whatever variation you have in between there. And then if you're adding additional income streams from things like rentals or other businesses or you're going to go buy some annuities, or you're going to get Social Security at some point, that's going to trigger on or off where you're going to get your pension and, you know, you're kind of plan from, you know, when you are retired, but you're not yet collecting social security because you want to delay it to be able to collect more. And then you got to bridge the gap in order to get to the point where you are collecting social security. This model, this spreadsheet allows you to model all of those and compare them very easily. So uh, one of the things you'll want to do the spreadsheet, um, you know, this is the, ver- this is the visual of the spreadsheet on this whole page here. You can kind of see it all along the left-hand side are all the different expenses you have. And each column is a different budget. And then on the right hand side is a summary, and the summary of the other income you have, your other investment income you have here. And then this section here is allowing you to describe what each season is to you, what it means to you. And then you kind of label it with a single word or two words to kind of show you what the rough, the rough version, the kind of like shorthand version of what the column is. But then you really want to be able to go in here and explain in detail uh, what the what is actually happening in that thing. And then here's a little key to show you what some things mean. So right here. It allows you to do descriptions of the season. So I did this really generic, very plain vanilla version of a budget for someone who is a renter saving to buy up their first home. Then once they buy their first owner-occupant property, then when they get married, then they have a kid, then they pay off their home, then they retire. So this is sort of like a a six-season budget for all those different stages of life or variations of, of periods of time in their life. And so I've just gone in and described what is going on here. And this is especially helpful for you because once you do this and you come back and look at it three months or six months or whatever later or a year later, you want to know, hey, what was I planning for? Why did I call this, you know, buy OO? What does buy OO mean for me? Well, it might be buy owner occupant property. So this allows you to go in here and modify all of the manila fields are for you to edit. So you just go modify what the current budget is. It this current budget is single renter, um, single meaning not married. Renter and saving to buy a home, and then the next one we buy a home budget when owner occupant home is purchased. Married budget after getting married, kid budget after having a kid, pay off home budget when house is paid off, and then retire budget when retired. And you can do anything you want here. So I just name these what they are, and I'll show you an example of a real estate investor here at the end. On the spreadsheet, you'll notice there is this little colored column ribbon all the way at the end on the end of each line, and it allows you to put in a. Y, N, S, or dash. And what that means is, are these numbers actual numbers? Like you went and you looked them up on a bill and you know that these are accurate? Or are they like, I estimated this and I should come back later and look at them and make sure that they're real? Or are some of them firm, but some of them are sort of like made up or guessed at? Or this is not applicable applicable to me at all and that's sort of a dash. And so for me, ACT... When you look at this closely, ACT stands for, is it actual? And so Y means, yes, it's actual. And that means it turns green, showing you that that is an actual number you looked up for your own personal expenses and you made in there. The red one means, no, it's not actual. It's estimated. And I should go back through and look at these things later. Because sometimes it can be overwhelming. You're trying to do a budget and you're looking at this and you're like, look, I just want to get a really rough idea of where I am. I can go and modify these and make them a little bit more accurate as I go on here. So you might say, okay, my phone bill is about $50 a month. And so you might put in $50 a month for your phone bill, but then put an N next to that field showing you that that is not an actual number. It's only estimated. Then once you're done with your spreadsheet and you've got really rough numbers, you're like, okay, now I want to firm this up a little bit. What are all the ones where I've marked them as N? I can go look at what that actual bill is, then go back in, update the bill, and say, it's oh, it's $52.13 a month. And then go ahead and put that in there and then change it from N to Y. This is really just a tool to make it easier for you. This is how I think. Maybe you don't think this way. But a tool for you to kind of keep it and manage what you're entering in there and whether or not they are actual numbers that you've looked up and verified or they're kind of made up numbers. And the S1 is somewhat accurate. Parts of it are actual. Parts of it are estimated. This is sort of the in-between for how do you deal with a situation where it's a combined expense of multiple things, but some of them are actually looked up and some of them are not. And so that's why I do the S as like this third state. And then the dash means it's not applicable. That way you don't have to worry about looking it up and you know that it's really there. So that's what that means there. Okay. So um, this is an example of one of the sections, this is the section for all the monthly housing stuff. And uh, I just showed you along top that this is the current stage, the buy stage, buy home stage. This is the married. This is to get a kid. This is the payoff home, and this is the retire, and this is that little column I was telling you about whether it's actual, whether it's made up, um, or like estimated, which is an N or S and somewhat accurate. I kind of use some real numbers in this, and by the way, this this is like a fictitious example. This is not me. I'm already married. I've already got owner occupant property. I've already got rental properties. I'm already retired somewhat. So. So basically, this is not an example of my stuff. I just made up these numbers to kind of show you how this spreadsheet works based on what I consider to be somewhat reality for this particular person. So when someone is in the current situation they're renting, they may have rented a pro- rents that they're paying to someone. That's part of their budget, but they don't have a mortgage on it. Once they go buy a property, they're going to get a mortgage. They're going to have property taxes. They're going to have their own homeowner's insurance instead of renter's insurance. They're going to have an HOA. Um, their phone bill is going to stay the same until they get married. And then their phone bill is going to double because now it becomes a household budget. Um, when they have a kid, they probably have another kid on the cell phone plan. So that's going to add to that. Um, when they pay off their home, I, they'll probably not have the kid living with them anymore. And they're probably not paying the kid's cell phone bill anymore, although maybe they are in case they could budget for that. So the budget goes back down to $66. And when they retire, they still have that phone bill. So you can kind of see how the budget changes over time and how we've estimated it. And like what happens, this is, you know, the renter's insurance, this is when they're living in the property and they have their actual homeowner's insurance on a property. You can also see when they pay off their home, their mortgage actually goes away. And when they're retired, they're not going to have a payment on their owner-occupant mortgage. You can see this other expense here. I'm not going to go into all these, but you can get the idea of like how this works and how you can model this. And it has little spots in here for all the different ones. Plus, if you think I'm missing one, you can go ahead and modify this other. You can just type in whatever else you're actually tracking here and then enter in your actual expenses or your estimated expenses for whatever the other one is here. Then at the bottom, it sums up all of your housing expenses for each of the seasons. So this one shows you, you know, when they're a renter, their housing costs are 17, 42, 18. When they finally buy a house, it's twenty two oh eight thirty three. When they get married, something increases a little bit, and so they got twenty three fifty nine eleven. And then when they have a kid, it's a little bit more expensive. Even then, then when they pay off their home, um, you know that's going to be in here. It's going to be actually a lot lower. And then when they retire, it's going to be very similar to when they paid off their home. And you can kind of see that. Okay, so this is sort of like each section has its own like little block. So this is the monthly housing expenses. There's a monthly transportation expense talks about how they don't have a car payment now because they've got a kind of old beater car that they're living in. When they buy their home, they're still going to be living in that beater car. But when they get married, they're going to want to actually set aside some money, maybe have a payment on a car. Um, And they'll probably always have a payment on a car because they might buy a new car, have a payment on it. And then once they're done with those payments, they take on payments for the replacement car and they alternate back and forth until they do that. You know, whatever they are really doing in, in reality, they could do that. Then maybe when they have their kid, they have a increase in the, car payment, and or they're saving up for um, you know, a car for the kid or paying some stuff. So they can kind of budget however you whatever makes sense for you. And so you can look at all those different things. You can see the budget. I'm not going to go into detail on the budget. You guys know about different expenses. Just estimate those. I'll sort of just show you what's going on with the spreadsheet so you can do that. There's a section here for monthly insurance. In this case, they have, insur- they have health insurance through their job. So they're not paying for that out of pocket until they retire. And at that point, they are paying for their own health insurance there. They don't buy life insurance and they don't have an umbrella policy. In this case, when we do the rental one, I'll show you that there is a little bit of umbrella policy that they've got for that one as well. So it shows you the total for their monthly insurance. Uh, Food expenses, they've got groceries and dining out, which they budget. And those change depending on whether they are single, um, whether they are married or whether they have kids. And then you can kind of get an estimate for those. Uh, pets, in this case, they don't have any pets, but if you have a pet, there's a whole section here for pets. And you'll notice, because I'm concerned about the pet budget with my 15-year-old dog, I have a whole section here for pets and kind of how it breaks down. Uh, monthly personal care expenses, like your co-pays and, and things like that for medical procedures or dental procedures or optometrists or prescription, or if you're getting your hair done or your nails done, if you're buying clothing for work or for you know personal stuff or for a hobby, Um, Dry cleaning, if you're doing that, if you have a health club membership or you're getting massages or if you've got organization dues or fees or things of that nature or or any other expenses you want to list here as kind of like personal care type expenses, you can see all those laid out. Um, Monthly entertainment expenses, these are all for like your subscriptions like Netflix and Um, Hulu and whatever else you're paying for there if you're going to see movies if you're going to concerts or theater stuff if you're going to sporting events if you've got you set aside a little bit of fun money for when you just splurge and buy something you know for yourself or maybe something at work if you're buying books or doing travel and then a whole bunch of other ones in case you want to break it out and show what your other expenses are there you can kind of see all those expenses Uh, If you have any monthly loans, if you've taken out a personal loan from a bank and you've got a payment on that, you know, put those in there. If you've got student loans, you can do that. If you're kind of like, uh, you know, planning on having student loans, you can kind of budget for that in advance if you want to. If you've got credit card payments, you know, if you're not, You know, using your credit card, putting something on there, and then paying it off at the end of the month. Or if you don't have any credit cards at all, you don't have to worry about it. But if you're doing that, you don't need to put a payment in here. But if you do have a payment, if you carry a balance, you should put a payment. And so they have a small balance that they have. They make a $30 a month payment on their credit card. Um, They're not using the credit card as, as sort of a debt instrument in this way. Monthly saving expenses, so this is how much money they're setting aside. They're really not saving much except for the down payment on that first house at the very beginning. Once they buy their home, they're getting ready to get married. They're setting aside some money for the wedding, and they're setting aside a little bit of money for reserves and emergency fund because they think that's prudent. I'm getting married. Maybe I should actually have a little bit of reserves there, so they're budgeting for that. Once they get married, they are saving a little bit for retirement. They're putting aside a little bit of money for college for the kid, um, and they're putting money away for reserves. They already own a house, so they're not doing that. They don't need to worry about the marriage. Uh, the wedding anymore, and so they got that. Once the kid comes, they're still saving for retirement. They're still putting money away for college, and they still have some money for reserves. Once they pay off the house, that frees up some money, and they're deciding to bump up how much they're saving for retirement. They're also investing separately into a separate investment account um, in order to kind of like front load how much they need for retirement there. And then once they retire, I guess we probably should take this out, but uh, they have some money set aside for that. Most of the time when you're retired, you're not saving any more for retirement. But I, I made a mistake and had a copy over here. Oh, one thing I do want to point out about this. So the spreadsheet is designed that when you first download it, any number you put in here in current is going to copy over to all of these for you automatically. But if you're going here and you put in, you know, $500 that you're saving for down payment, when you enter in 500 here, it'll automatically populate with the rest of these, all the other seasons for you with $500. However, if you're like, hey, look, I'm only really doing this for my current state. I'm not doing it for the buy home one, then just go ahead and hit zero here, and then it will copy zero for the rest of these. And then, if let's say you're picking up something later, you put 300 here, and then it will pick up 300 for the rest, and you can do zero out any other ones that aren't applicable. So I try to make it easy for you to do these budgets for all of them. That was the thought. I mean, you really are like, okay, let's take the current budget I have and let's copy it over to the next stage or next season of my life. And then I can modify that season. And then let's copy all those forward because in a lot of cases, you are continuing on with whatever that last was. And if it's not, you can put it back. You could say, oh, I'm, this season I was, I had, I didn't have this payment, but... It was really only a temporary thing. And then next time I'm going to have that again. So it does try to anticipate that for you and do the spreadsheet. And you could override that if you want to. Also, the spreadsheet is able, you can put in formulas. So if you want to say, you know, my, my gifts, I'm going to calculate. This is the monthly gift and donation one as an example. But for gifts, I'm going to go ahead and say, hey, I'm putting in, you know, uh, $10 a month because that's like $100 a year for a gift for, you know, Christmas or whatever it is, plus I'm going to set aside $5 a month for a birthday gift, you know, and so really you could say equals 10 plus 5 and that equals 15. So you could use formulas to break out and show how you're thinking about and where these numbers are coming from. You can also add comments if you want to, to show like what the $10 was for, what the $5 was for. That's just the function of Excel. So if you want to add a comment to Excel, I think you just right-click on it and do add comment, and then it will show a little icon there showing you have a comment on it. And when you mouse over it, it'll show you what your comment that you put in there be able to do Okay, so you can just see what they're saving, setting aside for gifts and charity in this particular case. Uh, any legal expenses they have, you know, they assume that they'll have you know, maybe a consultation with an attorney for an hour once a year or so on average. And so they're setting aside that. That's about what they're budgeting. You know, if you have ongoing legal expenses or if you've got alimony or palimony or child support or any payments you're making on a liens or judgments that you have against you or other legal expenses that you might have, you can put all those in here and keep track of those. Uh, tax expenses, so if you're paying someone to do tax prep for you, there's this whole field for doing tax prep. They're doing their taxes themselves. Um, this is how much approximately monthly they're setting aside or paying for their federal and their state and any local taxes. And then other, you can put in there if you've got any other tax kind of liabilities that you might have here. And then it just sums all those up. Okay. Once you do that, once you kind of enter in all your numbers for all these different fields you have, then it gives you a summary and shows you, okay, here are the different seasons. And this is in the upper right of the spreadsheet. If you kind of go back all the way to the beginning here. So now we're right up here in the spreadsheet when we do that. And getting back there. So now it shows you for your current budget for housing. This is your total for that whole housing block. Transportation is the whole transportation, insurance, food, pets, personal care, entertainment, loans, savings, gifts and donations, legals, and then taxes. And then it shows you your total amount of your expenses for your current season. Then it shows you if you're going to go buy a home, it shows you what each one breakdown is by area. And then your total amount of your monthly expenses broken out when you're in the buy home season, once you bought your house. And then here is the married one. Here's the kid one. Here's the paying off the home. And here's the retire. So you can see a breakdown of how these things change. And if you want to, most people believe you should have a zero um, surplus budget. So, like, you should spend every dollar. So if you know you make whatever it is, you know, $5,000 a month, you should adjust your savings or adjust wherever it is and, and give every dollar that is coming in a job that they're going to do. So you should probably go and adjust these to be so that this equals exactly what your income is, as an example. Okay, so you can go do that. Then below this is a section to show... What is your monthly passive income sources that you have at each one of these stages? And so in their current stages, they don't have any annuities. They didn't buy any insurance products that pay them some type of monthly or annual fee. They're not collecting social security. So they're not getting anything there. They don't have any pensions for any jobs and they don't have any rental properties. They don't have anything coming in from other, like another business or something like that. And so the amount of passive income they have in their current situation as a single renter waiting to buy a home is zero. Also, when they buy a home, it's also zero. Also married, also when they have a kid, when they pay off their home. All that is zero for them in this particular case. And then when they retire, they're going to get $3,000 a month in Social Security. That's estimated, and it's in today's dollars, and because we're using uninflated today's dollars when we do this calculation. And so it shows you the total amount of passive income they've got coming in um, in this particular situation. I'll show you one with a renter, with a uh, real estate investor in a second here, and you'll see how this works. Now, right below that, it allows you to say, what do you believe the safe withdrawal rate, the annual safe withdrawal rate is that you should use? And you could use this to say, hey, what is my budget right now if I have a 4% safe withdrawal rate? And what is it if I decide to be a little bit more aggressive and use a 5% safe withdrawal rate? Or what is it if I use a 3% safe withdrawal rate? And I'll show you how it does the calculation for you to show you how that impacts things. But for now, they're assuming they're going to use a 4% safe withdrawal rate. And the safe withdrawal rate, if you're not familiar with the idea, um, um, what is his name? Benjin. Um, something, Benjamin. I forget his first name, but he actually went and did a study and analyzed how much money can you take out of a portfolio of investments and in stocks and bonds. And he did a whole bunch of variations from 100% stocks um, to you know, you know, 100% bonds. And he showed if you have this portfolio and you held it for about 30 years time, this is a trendy study I'm actually talking about, but um, th- this is the idea that how much can you safely withdraw if you've got a certain amount of money, invest in that and not be likely to run out of money? And so they did this over a 30-year time period, and they determined that if you use 4%, that in the majority of the times, not every single time, but in the majority of the times, you are very unlikely to run out of money over a 30-year period if you take out 4% of the initial balance that you have and you adjust up with inflation each year. So if you've got a million dollars invested, you could take out about 40,000 in the first year and then 40,000 increased by about you know, 3% for inflation. So you take about 40,000 plus 3%, which is what, about 1,200 bucks. So you think about uh, $41,200 in year two and about 43,000 in year three. And you can sort of slowly increase that over time. And if you do that, you're less likely, you you have a very low probability of running out of money if you do that with your 4% number here, okay? So what this calculation does is it goes and looks at all the expenses you have in that current season of life, and then it subtracts out and says, okay, what are, what are the uh, passive income sources that we have that offset some of those expenses? And then whatever is left over is the money that you need to have coming from these other investments in stocks or bonds or something like that, okay? And then that actually uses the 4% safe withdrawal rate, and it calculates and it tells you, in order to support this current expense load, subtracting out any passive income you've got coming in from annuities, social security, pensions, or cash flow and rental properties, you would need to have $1.142, a little over $1.1 million using a 4% safe withdrawal rate. So it calculates for you how much money you need to have invested in order to support yourself in this season. So it's almost like a really rough financial planning tool for you to model how much you will likely need in order to do that. So if you actually said, okay, I'm going to show my current lifestyle here, maybe I'm retired. Now, this is my current lifestyle here. I would need about $1.1 million invested in stocks and bonds in addition to whatever passive income I've got here. But let's say I change this to be a 3% safe withdrawal rate and you label this as 3% safe withdrawal rate to show you that is, your budget's going to be exactly the same. But now because you're being more conservative with how much you could take out, the amount you would need invested at that safe withdrawal rate would actually increase by a lot, okay? And that actually does the calculations for you so you can see, if I'm more conservative, I only take out 3%, this is how much money I need to have. And so if you know you only have 800,000, then you know you're short of your goal. If you have you know, $2 million invested somewhere else, you know that you're safe at that particular budget level. And that's how this tool is designed. So you can go look at it and see what it is. And if you add in things, you're like, okay, if I buy some annuities or if I get some cash flow from rental properties, this number will be adjusted because these will offset that for you automatically, okay? Just like over here in their retirement, they have $3,000 coming from Social Security, so the amount that they need is a lot less. And as their budget increase, as their budget numbers here were going up over time, they would need more money coming in in order to support that. But they're working, so they don't really need this. This just shows you If you were to stop working today, how much would you need in order to have that money for retirement? Okay, so it kind of gives you an idea of that. All right, now let's go over a simple one. So let's ignore the person we had before that was single renter. Now they're saving up to buy a house. Now they were getting married and they're having a kid. Let's look at what a real estate investor might look like. And I'm not gonna go through the whole budget again, but I will go through the summary page that kind of shows you um, the expenses and stuff. And so in their current situation, they're living in a property, um, an owner-occupant property. And let's say they're you know doing some type of nomad strategy where they're going to move out of that one, they're going to move into another one, and they're going to live in that property, and they're going to convert the previous one to a rental. So They save up 5%. They move out of the previous one. They convert that to a rental and they do it. That's sort of, you know, we could say that's the story for this particular one. So their current situation, this is their first season and all their expenses. Then they've got the one where they buy their first rental, which really is converting the previous one to a rental. Then the second one is when they buy their second rental. Then they pay off their owner-occupant property. Then they pay off their rental properties. And then they retire. And So it shows you six stages or six seasons of their life with six different budgets. And it kind of gives you an idea of how their expenses change. So when they have a rental property, their insurance is going to increase because they've started taking out an umbrella policy to do that. But otherwise, a lot of their expenses are really similar because this is not usually including all the different expenses for the investments. We're really just looking at cash flow. And where does that cash flow show up? Shows up right here, net rental cash flow. So when they buy that first rental, they're getting about $200 a month positive cash flow after all expenses, taxes, insurance, maintenance, vacancy, property management, all that stuff. This is net after all of the expenses you put in, you estimate how much your, your positive cash is going to be. And in this case, after that first rental, they're going to have about $200 a month coming in from buying that rental property. And when they buy the second one, the first one went up a little bit because it's actually, it's, the cash on it is improved by the time they bought their second one. And they've got an extra $200 coming in from that second rental. So it's about $500 total coming in from their rentals. Once they pay off their owner-occupant property, you can see their uh, housing expense goes down by quite a bit by the mortgage payment that they were paying on that. And now their net cash flow on the rental is going to be an estimated $800. That's just because rents have increased by the time they're paying off their owner-occupied property quite a bit. And this is $800. It's still in today's dollars. We're not doing inflation adjustment here, but we're saying that it has increased a little bit. And now it's $800, $400 a month per property, where it was $200 when they first bought it. So now they have $800 coming in. Then when they pay off the rentals, they no longer have mortgage payments, so their cash flow improves a lot on those two rental properties, okay? So now it's $3,600 a month for each, I'm sorry, combined for both of them. That's how much they're getting on those rental properties. And when they retire, they're getting that, so, that, that same $3,600 a month in cash flow, plus they're getting $3,000 a month in Social Security. And so the total amount coming in for monthly passive income between Social Security and the rentals is $6,600 in those cases, okay? So now we're going to do that 4% calculation again, the safe withdrawal rate. So without any rentals, they needed about $2 million. When they buy that first rental, because their expenses increase a little bit, they still need about $2 million. A little bit less than they needed before, but it's, it's basically the same. Once they have that second rental and their income from their rental property increased, they're getting about $500. And their expenses are a little bit less than it was before, but about the same here. Um, so it's about uh, 1958. So a little less than $2 million at that 4%. When they pay off their owner-occupant property and their rental properties increased a little bit in cash flow, they're making that $800 monthly cash flow using a 4% safe withdrawal rate. They only need about $1.7 million in order to be able to live completely off their investments using a safe withdrawal rate and the cash flow from their rentals. And then when they pay off their rentals completely and they got $3,600 coming in from their rental properties, they only need $543,000 set aside in stocks and bonds that they're going to have some of their investment, some of their money coming in for their retirement, being financially dependent, coming from their stocks and bond portfolio and this $3,600 coming from the rentals in that example. And so they only need $543,000 set aside elsewhere to do that. Then when Social Security kicks in and that's bringing in $3,000 and they have $3,600 a month coming in from their net rental cash flow on their the net rental, um, yeah, net rental cash flow on their rental properties is uh, that, So $6,600 total using this 4%. They don't have to have any other money invested elsewhere. They can live off of their passive income completely. And so it says none required. So that means you don't need any more money invested in stocks or bonds because you have enough coming in from this to do that. And so you can see how this works. Now. If you wanted to say, look, instead of you know tracking my budget for paying off my owner occupied property, I want to do this as buy my third rental. Sure, you just change this to third rental. You go through, do your budget for that, and you probably add another like two hundred dollars a month or so to what you were making before. To this and you could show what that would be you got kind of to look at the numbers for that so you could really do this for any period of time for any stage you could do this you know just for your acquiring the six you know six different rental properties or you know every every other rental property you could do okay bought two bought two bought two and you can kind of model it out there and you could see how this impacts how much money you need to have invested elsewhere what your cash flow might look like and kind of do all those different modeling okay so in conclusion use the seasons of my life budget spreadsheet the one i just showed you to plan out the various budgets you have as things change in your life or as things may change. You can kind of use it to plan out possible changes in the future. Really, the idea is to make it easier for you to say, what happens if I buy another rental property or what does it look like when my dog passes and I no longer have the maintenance costs associated with the dog or when my kid moves out or I'm done saving for college or I'm paid off my student loans or I get a divorce or I get remarried or I decide to save a, a lot more for, Uh, my retirement because I'm getting a raise or, um, you know, all these different kind of different seasons of your life. This is intended to solve that problem for you to kind of be a budget to allow you to do that. All right. Uh, As I have a tickle in my throat, this has been James Orr. Hope you enjoyed the class. Go download a copy of the spreadsheet and uh, let me know how you like it. Send me some comments. If you think you see anything broken or uh, needs to make some tweaks or something like that to make your life easier, definitely reach out because it's brand new. I literally just finished making it this morning. Um, I made most of it yesterday, and I finished it this morning. So hope you enjoy it. This has been James Orr. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye for now. With home prices up, mortgage interest rates up, and rents up, but not quite enough to counteract the higher prices and interest rates. Cash flow on rental properties in Huntsville is harder than ever. Book a call with the Real Estate Financial Planner to apply our proprietary 88 strategies to improve cash flow on your rentals. See the show notes for a link to schedule your call and improve your cash flow today. If you're a real estate agent, lender, or professional in Huntsville that wants to help our real estate investor listeners, consider reaching out to learn about collaboration opportunities with this podcast. We'd love to add more value to our listeners by having you assist our investors buy, sell, and finance their real estate investments. See the show notes to schedule a call to discuss collaboration opportunities.